Hello, and welcome to the FAME Law Students Association's podcast, The Brief. For the uninitiated, FAME stands for Film, Art, Media and Entertainment. The FAME LSA is a group of students from Melbourne Law School who are passionate about the arts and culture. In this podcast series, we chat with lawyers and artists working in the creative industries, learning about their daily work, career development and topical issues facing the industry. In this episode, we collaborate with the Melbourne China Law Society to chat to Lexi Sun, a Melbourne Law School alumnus. Lexi spoke to us about her childhood dream to become a corporate lawyer, her experiences working in both Australia and Hong Kong, all the way through to her current role as counsel for Music Victoria. She provided amazing pearls of wisdom to help you circumvent law school challenges and to remember to be yourself. From M&A deals to the Australian Open, Lexi is a wealth of knowledge and experience. As the end of the semester draws near, we hope that her words inspire you through the exam season as you enjoy this very special collaborative episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Um, today, uh, we invite Lexi Sun for our MCLS Fame Entertainment Law in APEC podcast. Welcome, Lexi. Nice to be here. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, I guess we'll jump straight into it. Uh, Lexi, could you please tell us a little bit about yourself and um, your journey to where you are now? Where I'm now is um, I'm working from home. I've changed (laughs) jobs, but not the office. I'm still working from the same office. That's just the strange time we find ourselves in, hey. Mm -hmm. Um, But by way of short background, I um, started off my, I guess, professional journey um, from Tasmania. (laughs) Tasmania. Yeah, it's a small island, but beautiful. When border Mm -hmm. opens, I encourage everyone to go there and contribute (laughs) to the local economy. Um, I studied finance and accounting as undergraduate with, well, the most prestigious, but also the one and only university in Tasmania is called University of Tasmania there's no other um, so three years after that I um, became a graduate accountant and tax agent for two years right after graduation mostly taking care of financial planning and tax affairs and matters for I guess high net worth individuals not so many in Tasmania, and also, (laughs) uh, more importantly, small and medium-sized local businesses, which I really enjoyed. And through that, I think it kind of planted a seed for me to be able to appreciate tourism Mm -hmm. and how it affects the economy, because lots of um, clients were restaurant owners, bar, pub owners, and farmers, or event organizing organizations. So it's just... um, just get to know them a bit more. And then I quit my job, moved to Melbourne Law School, which is essentially why I'm here today. And um, I started JD. I started in 2013, back when JD in Melbourne Law School first started. Mm. Um, And then I interned in a couple of American law firms, Hong Kong offices in my penultimate year, like a lot of, I guess, our audiences will be doing or plan on doing and um, I did a training contract there and after my training contract I oh I also did a clerkship with a medium-sized Australian firm in Melbourne back then it's called Kligers and Partners but now it's called KCL Law Mm -hmm. the um, specialized I guess the strong area is state planning and family law I just want to see if I just want to close off that door once and for all and not think about it. <laughs> so I did a um, clerkship there 
and then accepted training contract, did PCLL, which is a postgraduate certificate, one year study before my training contract started. And then after that, I thought I really missed home. So I just um, applied in Melbourne for Melbourne um, law firms. And then I was lucky enough to land a corporate lawyer position with GNT, Gilbert and Tobin, and I joined the team led by Neil Pathak. Um, probably some of our audience are taking his course on securities law and um, corporations act or something like that. It's been so long ago, I can't really remember. I mostly did public M&A with private M&As in energy and resources sector. I was there for about 18 months. Most of my time there was a home office through pandemic, because I came back in uh, November 2019, right before it hits the fan, so to speak. And then um, I transitioned into in-house, a governmental entity, Visit Victoria, which is, I wouldn't say responsible, because there are other governmental um, agencies that contribute. We work together collaboratively, but we are the driving force in major events and driving visitation from both interstate and internationally. Um, yeah, tourism industry. So yeah, that's um, where I am now. That's amazing. Thank you so much for that. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so yes, yeah, as Lexi, you just mentioned you work in both, both like Hong Kong, Melbourne, so what do you think are the major differences um, between these two different jurisdictions? That's a really good question. Um, I've answered a lot of that um, during my interview process when I was trying to come back to Australia. What do you expect? It's different. Yeah. Let's talk about this from three different I guess, topic areas. Mm-hmm. One is the law itself. And a sub-branch of that, I guess, is legal practice, mostly in private um, private firms setting. And then the third one is more, I guess, broad, but also in a working environment is the culture. So I start with the law itself. I really loved my experience in Hong Kong. It's a melting pot of different jurisdictions. You got Hong Kong law, which is kind of like a little... Um, grandson of um, the old <laughs> British system yeah. and also you have um, because it's um, since 1997 it's part of China now so there's also the influence from inland law which is drastically different and which I'm not um, qualified at all to speak to it but you, you, you have Perfect. to be mindful of that yeah mm-hmm. and then because we work with a lot of um the nature of the firm I was in we worked with a lot of the U.S. offices so you have to especially in the area of funds formation like private equity funds and hedge funds you got to be aware of some of the tax haven jurisdictions as well and also by their neighbors Hong Kong and Singapore, a little bit of rivalry going on, financial center of Asia. So sometimes we gotta be um, mindful of Singapore law area as well. So it's a real melting pot of um, all different jurisdictions. It's really exciting, especially for a starter, a trainee, a baby lawyer. You get a, you get stimulus from all areas mm. and you can witness how different lawyers from different jurisdictions work. It's really interesting. Mm. Um, with Melbourne, I think because I did almost all my schooling in Australia, so I'm more used to 
just the nuances of teaching and studying and the way of thinking, especially in the context of, I guess, legal studies, because Melbourne Law School was is really excellent. I, I still have, I know Monash probably thinks they are the best, but I still think Melbourne Law School is the best one. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to any other students from any other law school, but I just um I have a sense of pride. So um just um following on from that, I just I think with Melbourne, the law is just more in line with what I was exposed to during law school. Mm-hmm. And also some um, common law, as you know, a lot of case law and a lot of considerations, and also is more, especially in my area in uh, MA, is the standard required for drafting is higher, I would say, mm-hmm. just in terms of the nuances and be accurate and think about different areas. I would say um, I really enjoyed that aspect of practical in Melbourne. Next, I, I guess the, that ties in with different practices. Mm-hmm. In Hong Kong, it's um, work hard and play hard sort of um, operation mode and it's all about the grind it's um, 24-7 accessibility to clients and your senior lawyers your partners and putting in all your effort 120 of your effort which at that age was what attracted me to it Mm. Um, you do get a lot achieved you do get to do a lot of exciting deals but that's mostly the I guess, a one-liner if I summarize it. But for Melbourne, um, the standard for excellency, I can't speak for other law firms, but at least for Gilbert and Tobin, GNT, um, the standard for excellency is up there and is more about efficiency. It's more about work smarter, but not harder. So it's the mm. other way around. Mm. Um, it's more about um, connection, whether it's with your client or it's with your colleagues, and at the same time, individuality is celebrated. You are required to build your own brand and really promote it. So I think that's a bit different to um, the work culture in Hong Kong. And speaking of culture, because I was born in Beijing, I was more in tune with the Mandarin, as we we probably call Mandarin, but yeah. um, I'm not very, I can't understand Cantonese. Um, <laughs> at all (laughs) so when I got there it's um I would say it's a reverse culture shock I will look the same I can read some of the characters but at the same time I don't really understand the show they watch I can't relate to um what they're into the songs the pop stars is uh, and that translates into building relationships with your colleagues and or clients Mm. so I think I suffer from the reverse culture shock which nobody told me about before I went there they were like oh you're a Mandarin speaker you're English speaker you're gonna nail it but then nobody told me me about reverse culture shock Mm. so it was it was a real thing (laughs) and um outside that I think at the risk of sounding like it's a stereotypical thing but it is real like in Hong Kong it's more about respect to your seniors, it's more about put your head down and do the work and don't ask questions. And within the firm, hierarchy is quite clear and you know exactly where you are in the pecking order, mm-hmm. which is good and bad. Um, you get enough guidance, you get very detailed guidance, but at the same time, the flip side of that is you don't really, you're a bit hesitant to take initiatives and to really drive um, according to your own vision. So yeah, that's good and bad to everything. And for Melbourne, 
I think mostly grew up in Tasmania. So Melbourne's like a big city for me. And I just love Melbourne, which is why I'm where I am with working for Visit Victoria. I think Melbourne is a place, no matter where you're from, no matter where your background is, it's just very, you can't feel at home here. And that's what I feel personally and amongst my friends, um, whether you spend a day visiting or you made your home through studying or working, you just find your place and you love this city. And with me coming back um, to GNT, to um, corporate team, corporate advisory team, I, I, feel, I felt very at home mm -hmm. and I felt like there's no culture shock let alone reversed ones. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's quite different. Uh, it's more relaxed. So you're less scared to approach your partners. Mm -hmm. um, you can just um, knock on their door and be like, hey, I got this. I, I, I don't know how to do this. Can you just give me some guidance? So yeah, it's, I, I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun. Yes. Well, that is, that is really amazing. Thank you so much for sharing all of that, Lexi. It's, you touched on so many different aspects and you really do have a wealth and experience and um, two different jurisdictions. And you talked about all that culture. I'm sure the students listening would be very interested to find out and you prepared them, um, which I'm sure they would appreciate for whatever culture shock that's coming their way. If they do decide. They might not to, have it. Sorry. Yeah, or, they, or they might, they might just be completely across yeah. it. You, know, you never know. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for sharing that with us. Yeah, and you mentioned, you know, your role at Visit Victoria, and we'd really love to hear more about that. What major entertainment events um, have you worked on as part of your role? And um, kind of what sort of work is generally involved in these events? So I'm, I'm only with the organization for about, I think, ticking on to five months. So it's still very, I'm still in my probation period. <laughs> but but I, I do see myself working here in the long term. We roughly work, visit Victoria, as we lovingly call it VV. Um, VV has three different business units. What you just mentioned is called major events, which is in charge of like all the sporting events, some arts and creatives, and then we have destination marketing, mm -hmm. um, which probably to our audience, you would probably watch MasterChef. And that is um, something BB has been coordinating and making the contents, making the connection on behalf of the state, just basically driving visitation towards Melbourne and also regional Victoria. Right. And then there's another um, section, which is less exciting, I guess, but very important to the economy, Melbourne, convention bureau which mm -hmm. is in charge of or have have a partnership they have a partnership with melbourne exhibition and convention center hopefully yourself and our audience can go there and get vaccinated so that's, <laughs> that's not plug. Job. yeah <laughs> but it's just where it's taking place mm. and that's mostly for major event for, for business events and for say conventions of various kind, not necessarily for business, but large congregation. So major events, the, the first one I just talked about, probably take up 70 to 80 part, uh, percentage of my time, just because the scale. So for your sporting events, we have Grand Prix, Australian Open, um, AFL for the footy fans out there. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> are you? <laughs> no, I, I'm not. I, I'm not. I'm only, I do. 
yeah, I, I just I just watch it, but I'm a rugby fan, which um, yeah. brings me to my next one is um, the state of origin was um, historically here, I guess, but because this year because of the um, lockdown, everything is moved elsewhere, and we are and then T Twenty for cricket, so we are looking into something that's exciting and I'm not at liberty to disclose but we're just working with major sporting organizations not just in Australia but around the world especially with some sports that are not traditionally Aussie um, Mm -hmm. for them to tap into global audience and put Victoria on the map whether it's in-person attendance or broadcasting Mm -hmm. so that's sporting and then we have arts and creatives, which is, I think, for everyone. There's something for everyone. You have your theater productions, such as Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, yeah. um, Frozen, which is my personal favorite. Oh, lovely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then Moulin Rouge and the Acme, Disney. And we have partnership with NGV for various exhibitions throughout the years. Right now, the French Impressionist, which was unfortunately due to restriction it's like I know it's very sad and then Gabrielle Chanel and some other exciting things coming along next year and then others are more for just the everyday thing we see on trams and pop up on your social medias like Melbourne Fashion Week um, Rising White Night and then Melbourne Food and Wine Festival so that that's just um all what we do (laughs) at VB and yeah, that's um, that's about it. The rest, we have a lot of exciting events coming for 2023 as a driving force for um, the roadmap out of the current year. Mm-hmm. But it's doing the pipelines, doing the works, but stay tuned and um, participate, I guess. It's just a fun way to, I think it's a very sustainable way to support the, eco- the economy without jeopardizing the environment. So I really yeah. believe in um, and create jobs for thousands, if not mm. like mm. tens of thousands of jobs for Victorians. So I'm, yeah. I really believe in the mission, the purpose. Yes, absolutely. As you are listing off all these events, I'm sure everyone listening is just, oh, we really want to go back. And we will, is, we will go back. We will. We will. Oh, we will. be working on them. So just exactly. Get yeah. <laughs> As you said, it's the driving force. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you mentioned all these these amazing events. And um, I mean, I guess entertainment law really is that kind of area where there's a lot of different things intersecting and they're all at play. Um, And we're just wondering if you could maybe talk a little bit more just about like what is usually involved, like um, what kind of issues that you see. Yeah, just general areas that you'd be in touch in when you organize these events or, you know, the broadcasting that you mentioned. I was mostly, I would think of myself not as, when you get into practice, you probably are, drawn to certain practice areas like Mm. IP or family law or criminal law Mm. but I would say uh, my pre in my previous life as uh, an M&A lawyer um, my function was pretty similar to what I'm doing right now in my little corner of entertainment law space because it's more like project coordination and problem solving. So when you have, say, you have Australian Open, which is a very, very certain thing. It's here every year. And you got to think about, do the due diligence on your potential partners who are event organizers. And then you got to have contract draft 
contract negotiation and drafting to solidify the arrangement between you guys. And then you got to think about all the public health requirement. You got to do statutory interpretation, public health requirements, privacy law requirement, because you're going to be collecting all the information. And that kind of spills into data security issues mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. And then you got to employ people, whether it's full-time or part-time employees or third-party contractors. And then there's employment law aspect coming into play. So I would say much like M&A lawyers, entertainment law is kind of like a GP, a general practitioner, (laughs) whereas your IP lawyers or family lawyers, they're more like specialists, Mm -hmm. like OBGYNs or oncologists. So if you are interested in getting exposure to different areas of law, I think it would be a great place to start your career. Amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm so pr- impressed that like Lexi, you have worked so many, like attended so many events, you know, at such a short period of time. Yeah. Um, I, I wish I personally attend to them, but uh, I've just been working from the comfort of my home <laughs> and then trying um, to make it available to everyone, I guess, hopefully next year. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So the next question we're interested, so it's about like COVID-19 impact, right? Um, so like, what are some challenges that you either face or you noticed that this like entertainment industry faced in the context of COVID? That's a very great question because um, that's actually the very reason, not the very reason, but a very important factor of me deciding to take up my current job. Because I think it's, you can be a government in-house lawyer for 20 years and nothing changes, but it's through this period of time, great uncertainty that you are faced with a lot of very novel problems. Some of them you might never thought about. Like yourself, you never thought you would be studying a different jurisdiction in another jurisdiction while physically being in another jurisdiction. So it's just, just a lot of um, unpredictability. I think that is the first challenge is uncertainty. I can't remember who told me this. I heard this from somewhere. It's the only thing that is certain in this world is death and taxation. It's kind of grim. It's kind of sad. <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> right? It's, it's very, it's, that's the only certainty, but that, that's life. Mm. So how do we deal with certain uncertainty, right? A lot of us, including myself last year, really struggled just because that's a lot of fear of honor. And then when you zoom out from an individual level and you look at the industry, especially tourism, it's hit the hardest with border closure, with crowd control, different levels, whether international or domestic, large crowd gathering. Almost every aspect of tourism and major events were greatly affected. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of both my job right now in Vivi, mostly the challenge comes from how to help the organization to navigate through the uncertainties going forward because you can't just say we're not going to go forward anymore because something might happen yeah, again absolutely um you have to yeah it's just um a very difficult step to take but it's just because it's difficult it is all the more important and then you have to think back and you have to think how we dealt with it last year and learn from our i guess experiences and think how do i leverage the past experience and the lessons we learned and charter a way forward, bearing in mind that all the explosions happened last year might not happen, but it might also happen again, but Mm -hmm. it's never going to be the same. Mm 
So it's just a very exciting as one word to describe it, Mm -hmm. but it is a lot of, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of um, work up here in the headspace. So that is one challenges. And the other one is, I guess, adaptation, just being able to adapt. I remember because I just finished my yoga teacher training and one of the lessons my mentor saying, when you're in a challenging pose or position, like your warrior poses, <laughs> you just gotta be like Bruce Lee, just gotta be like water and don't resist and you just adapt. Yeah. And just like we all did in a normal world, in a parallel universe, we'll be sitting down in a room in Melbourne Law School, hopefully, and I'll be able to look at the canvas that I love so much um, and talk to you guys face to face. But that's not the world we live in anymore. So how to adapt, how to move forward. So in for VV, we are seeing a lot of from redirecting the major events mm-hmm. and trying to be more flexible in terms of arranging and organizing and also risk management. Mm-hmm. We see a lot of CBD metropolitan focused events being relocated to regional Victoria. Yeah. And we're also seeing we're building into a lot of mechanisms of various postponement mechanism, cancellation mechanism, but not in a, I guess, in a self-protective way, but really think what is the best for all our partners and the states. Yeah, thank you so much. That That's really beautiful. You know, you mentioned uncertainty and in the face of it needing to adapt. And it really is about resilience, isn't it? I think it's... yeah something all of us are trying to hold on to and um yeah I really I really appreciate that yeah sorry to interrupt no 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 absolutely go ahead speaking of resilience I want to um I'm mindful that a lot of you guys probably want to go into entertainment industry which in comparison to say maybe Europe and LA California Melbourne's or Australia is at a baby infant stage Mm-hmm. But I just um, see a lot of resilience in the artists and creative types, mm-hmm. how they not only preserve their passion for what they are creating, but also they try to learn new skills, like learn basic accounting skills to be mm-hmm. smart about money mm-hmm. and trying to understand legal terms to think more strategically and structurally. It's like a stress test, COVID. It's mm-hmm. um, testing the pain points for the industry and then that's the weakest link and it's identified and you see a lot of artists and creative types being very resilient becoming aware of it and trying to I guess to learn and to grow not just as an artist or in their chosen field but a well-rounded business person as well so Mm. it's, it's very inspiring to see that in artists. It really is. That is that is so wonderful. And Melbourne really is a, a Victoria in general. I guess it's mm-hmm. we really do have this culture of art and creativity. Yeah. And there's just something about that kind of safe space where people, you know, they create and share. And as you mentioned, at the same time, in the face of difficulty, finding ways to survive. And yeah, it, it's it's a really great culture. I guess going back a little bit, um, going back to your experience at um, law school, we were hoping um, to discuss a little bit about how you think your experience um, from your time at law school has helped you in your current role or perhaps in your past work experiences more broadly. I 
miss just being a student, you know? (laughs) 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 With with the biggest biggest worries are not to belittle any of your worries. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of them are very burning and legitimate, especially for like last year students. But in general, it's just about getting attendance right and getting a H2B minimum to get clerkship opportunities. So it's, it's a much simpler and a happier time for me, at least personally. So what I learned, I guess, benefited from me, for, for me the most is, um, first and foremost, is the confidence. It's, mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of um, law students or high achieving students, they have this imposter syndrome when you are faced with like awards, accolades and achievements or in just in general, a well done, you think probably, oh my God, I, I don't know how I did it. And look around me, it's all these amazing people. How can mm-hmm. I get here? I don't deserve to be here. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you guys still feel the same, but I certainly mm-hmm. felt that. Absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. on my first day of law school, overwhelming um, yes. self-doubt. Yeah, but then through law school, it's not just it doesn't happen in a day. It's through collaboration with classmates, making friends, um, being guided by lecturers, is just build your confidence up. And at certain point, especially through the clerkship recruitment process, you just got to fake it till you make it. I think that's the sentence on my yearbook. <laughs> and I made a typo. <laughs> so, oh, <dear. laughs> I know, right? We all have our past. <laughs> so, it's not something I, uh, I'm proud of, but I stand by it. Fake it to make it. If faking it is not to forge your academic transcripts, then you can't do that. Yeah, but you no. fake it as in <laughs> you give yourself the confidence and back yourself before anyone else does. And then slowly it will come to you. The second thing I think is quite important, especially in my job right now, I've realized it more and more, is independent thinking. You just acquire it through research, essays, presentations, and even the hypotheticals. So you just got to think independently and form your own voice. I think the third one will be collaboration and lifelong friendship. I made a lot of great friends and we are all different in different areas. And we... Um, we still have the friendship going. We encourage each other, bounce ideas off each other. And it's just, um, I can't make it through without my friends. And I think that's the three most important things I got from law school. Do you have any advice for a law student who may be interested like in pursuing a career in entertainment law um, or potentially like working in Hong Kong uh, and like other jurisdictions? Let's start with a timeline, I guess. Um, for students who want to work in Hong Kong, let's just take it way back to when you were a kid, much simpler time when there's no COVID. Where you probably were lucky enough to be asked this question, what do you want to be when you grow up? Mm-hmm. I was certainly asked that. Um, and as an 11-year-old, I think my answer was very practical, very stoic, and very unimaginative. My answer was, I wanted to be a corporate lawyer working (laughs) on cross-border transaction deals. Oh, wow, very specific. (laughs) (laughs) And where to start it? Um, I think Hong Kong, with someone of my background who can speak both languages, is um, I think Hong Kong is a place to start, especially with the financial center status and jurisdictions mixture. So I, when I was in Hong Kong, um, I thought, yeah, I made it. 
I was my, my childhood dream come true. But um, having a dream and realizing it is very different from living it on a day-to-day basis. Mm. And it comes at a great blow to my own self-confidence and also self-awareness and perception. Identity crisis, if you call it more dramatically, <laughs> is I just, I thought I made it. I'm living my dream, but I'm not happy. What's wrong with me? it's very easy to slip into that Mm. um just to qualify it it's not for everyone nothing is for everyone other than I guess COVID jabs (laughs) but even that is not for everyone right you get your Pfizer you get AstraZeneca so certainly career trajectories and career choices isn't for everyone and I thought it was for me but it wasn't because I I sleep a lot there are people who can sleep for three to four hours and be very on top of stuff, right? And so we all see them, but yeah. not me. I sleep for eight to 10 hours on average every day. Otherwise I get very cranky, just the sheer volume and also the time difference. Um, for someone working in Hong Kong, you have to be prepared to do the long hours and also be really passionate and driven. It's, it's a great platform you can get exposure, especially if you're a native Mandarin speaker or better yet, Cantonese speaker. You can really have a leg up and get exposed to a lot of great deals for great clients on great platforms. But all that is based on the premise that you know what you're getting yourself into. For everything, there's a price. And what are you willing to pay? For me, I folded very early. I, I was like, I, I got to get my eight hours. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> I realize um, a lot of people out there probably, they probably don't need eight hours. So yeah, and they're probably just of a higher level of intelligence than me and they can just do what I do for hours in two. So you never know, it's just each for everyone. But if you even are wondering what if, then I think that's a good indication to go there. Otherwise you will regret it. So it's better to do it and see it for yourself and stress test yourself and then make a conclusion based on your own experience, then hearsay. It's not admitted in court. Why would you live by that, right? <laughs> so it's, it's just very important to go and experience it if you have the opportunity. I don't regret it. I made a lot of great friends there. I worked for a lot of brilliant lawyers. Um, I, really, I really appreciate it. But um, with someone who want to work in entertainment law on different different. Um, channel Mm -hmm. I think for people who either have background in the event organizing or got exposure to arts and creatives and they are into that I think this is a great area because you have to understand what they do in order to help them Mm -hmm. so it is for me I don't have a lot of a lot of my colleagues not lawyers because they are I'm the legal advisor and they are doing what they do so a lot of them are photographers uh, marketing specialists PR just talking is their major so it's it's very interesting it's you got to understand where they come from understand their background understand what makes them tick so if you ha- already have that background it's a huge advantage it's like you can speak their language mm-hmm. but even if you don't if you ha- just have a general curiosity Mm-hmm. and you are interested in arts, entertainment, um, it's enough. I think the passion and the curiosity you have, like, I'm not even curious 
about criminal law, no matter what my non-law friends ask. Oh, have you watched what, the boss, that Boston legal show or whatever? <laughs> I was like, oh, I just don't. I just, I don't want to go to court, full stop. I just want to be drafting and negotiating contracts. So I guess either whether you're working in Hong Kong or considering going to entertainment law, the fundamental advice is the same, is that you have to know yourself and also be prepared for change. And you probably are drawn to different things that you did not even think you'll be interested in. Mm -hmm. So be honest with yourself, know yourself, and never too late to make any change. Thank you, Lexi. That's so that's such great advice. I think being open-minded is such an important thing, especially for students who are still kind of finding their way. I think it's very reassuring. Um, and I guess that brings us to our closing question. I was honestly a bit disheartened when you said you didn't quite like Boston Legal. And I was like, oh no, this is kind of a wrap-up question that we wanted to ask you. Um, sorry if we're catching you off guard, but um, we were just wondering if you had a favorite legal movie or TV show at all that you'd recommend to people. Not a show. The thing that I made me go, ah, oh, I want to be a lawyer more oh. because of that is um, uh-huh. Legal Blonde. Oh, of course, a classic. Is <laughs> <laughs> is um, it's, it's not just the pink and the chihuahua. No, it's the <laughs> fact that um, I think is if, if you put your mind to something, you can achieve it, mm. and also the importance of um, back yourself. So I think that's what I learned from that show. Other than got a kind of dress for the part. So yeah, it's um it's a very good movie. <laughs> yeah. I love that. It really is. Um, do you have anything to add, Lexi? I um was thinking about what to share with our audience, hmm. but then I thought the best way to kind of share my journey with our audience is to imagine I I was one of you right I was one of you seven years ago so um, I think the if if it's any comfort or if it's any guidance or of any assistance I would share what I um, want to say to myself seven years ago if I have a time machine I can travel back to my last year of law school and what I can say to that Lexi um, I think the first one, like we touched touched on before, is to back yourself, especially in someone of my profile. I'm Asian. I'm female. So as much as we want to say equality for all, I'm if I don't back myself, I tend to fall into the background or being talked over by someone of um, mm. traditionally considered of more capacity, say a white male, middle-aged white male, just a hypothetical one. So the importance is back yourself and during any sort of um, stages in your career, especially when you just start. And then the second one is, I think time is our side Mm -hmm. to be patient with yourself and trust the process. You might not know where you're gonna end. I, I think, especially now, you certainly do not know but that's very important. And then the third one is, um, I think no decision or no one single event is a be all and end all. Our life is made of a series of decisions, of choices and of a series of events. Of course it's shaped, there are some crucial points, 
but they are not a be all and none of them is. So um, I just, um, and also to find your own tribe, um, whether it's your mentor or your group of friends and they can share your wisdom, you can feel very comfortable and safe to share with them, to bounce ideas off them. Mm -hmm. So I think this is very important to work with people that you want to become. Um, that's what I've asked with every interview, with every job, I would think what I want to become, that sort of lawyer. And every step of the way, my employment decision, of course, is based on my employer as well. But it's also um, when I have choices, I will think to myself, is this someone I want to become? So all my past employers and especially my current one are all great lawyers in their own way. But all of them, I look up to them and respect them. So I think that's more important than how much money they're going to give you or what's the firm's name on your name card says. So I think that's very important. So just, and also take it easy, have some fun. You're only young once. Of course. Yep, definitely enjoy the process. Yep. Um, thank you, Lexi, for like providing so much insightful ideas. Um, I think, and that will bring our podcast to an end. And yeah. thank you so much for everyone who listened. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me as well. And if you have any questions on transitioning in-house or just in, if you're faced with different choices, whether to be an in-house lawyer or private practice lawyer, or thinking of going to entertainment industry, um, just add me on LinkedIn if you have it. It's um, Lexi, L-E-X-I, Sun, S-U-N. Or you can just, um, I'll just leave details with you guys. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lexi. Nice talking to you guys. You've been listening to The Brief with Faye Melissa. This episode was hosted by Georgia Zeng and John Chi. The theme song and sound was produced by Leah Alessandratos. A very big thank you to Lexi's son for chatting with us. Special thanks to Jin Chu, Yang Fang Xiao and Rose Ho for producing the transcript available on our website. Thanks also to all past and present Fame LSA committee members and ambassadors for their support and the Melbourne China Law Society for collaborating with us. And thanks to you for listening. If you want to hear or learn more about Fame LSA, like us on Facebook and Instagram or visit our website at famelsa.com. If you're a lawyer working in the film, art, media, publishing or entertainment space and want to get involved with Fame, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at general at or careers at famelsa.com.